your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. Uh, Joining me today to chat about the Maple Leafs and all things... Leafs, I guess, all things hockey, is going to be friend of the show, Brandon Cameron. Brandon, welcome back to Locked On Leafs, buddy. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, buddy. You know, pretty bored. No hockey this week, so. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's it's kind of a weird part of the Leafs schedule where they only had two games in a 10-day span, and then it's really going to be hockey, 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 right when they get back. Like, it's 24 games to go in the season, just 44 days to get those 24 games in. They got five back-to-backs. We'll be playing, like, literally every other night. I, I took a peek quickly, and there's only two, uh, one two-day break and one three-day break. The rest is, like, legitimately hockey, day off, hockey, day off, hockey, hockey, day off, hockey, day off, like, back-to-back, day off, back-to-back. Like, it's just ridiculous, the schedule that the Maple Leafs are going to have to endure going down the stretch. So hopefully they're taking this, you know, this stretch of like 10 days to really rest up. Hopefully Matthews has taken that stretch to rest up his wrist. I think, you know, he's got to get it going a little bit. Um, but before we get into a lot more Leafs talk, and I will get your thoughts on what's going on in, in Maple Leaf land. It's been a little bit since we've had you on the show. I do want to um, quickly touch on kind of today's breaking news, and that's, COVID hitting the North Division. Uh, We had our first postponement in the division. The Habs and Oilers series has been postponed officially. Um, Both Yoel Armia and Jesperi Kotkaniemi both placed on the COVID protocol list. Um, And the Habs have been, uh, will not be able to return to their facilities and do anything really except for isolation until Monday. So, all three games of this series, plus their game on Sunday that was scheduled to be played against the Ottawa Senators, all now will have to be postponed. And uh, the North Division, which went most of the season, like 60% of the season, without getting a, a COVID and without having to stop play and have a postponement, no longer had the clean sheet there. Yeah, no, it's uh, honestly, I'm surprised it kind of lasted this long without uh, really any scares. I guess there was the Pugliarvi scare like for a second there, like a couple, like maybe a month or month and a half ago. Yeah, and it was like, a, it was it a was false like a, positive. It was a little tiny square, and it was also a false positive, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's been nice. Like we've been we've been pretty lucky to not really have any interruptions with hockey so far because I mean, that COVID interruptions. I'm not gonna lie to you, are like probably the most frustrating thing that you could probably experience as a fan. Like I, I remember like watching a bunch of the Raptors and then the Raptors paused like a week or two ago. And it was, Oh, it's maybe, ended their maybe season. Maybe lose interest. Like I it, honestly, like I, I haven't watched them since it's ended their season. Like the, 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 when yeah. the COVID bug hit the Raptors, it totally ended their season. You can go check out locked on Raptors with Sean Woodley. He talks about it a lot, and, uh, you know, COVID has done a lot of bad things to the world, and one of them was killing the Raptors' chances at a solid playoff run, and, and it looks like now they're turning into big old sellers 
uh, they haven't won a game really since all that happened um, nine in a row. It's 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 awful. It's good to be a Leafs fan at this point, <laughs> and you yes, haven't been able is. to say that in this city for a long time. Um, but my question to you is, and I wonder, I'm kind of thinking this myself. If the division would have been able to go the entire season without having a positive test and without having to postpone any games and had a clean bill of health all the way through, would that have given them a better opportunity to try and lobby the NHL or lobby the governments to to allow them to play the playoff games in their home building? Like, we know there's going to be one Canadian team that's going to make it out of the North Division playoff uh, race and is going to make it into the semifinals. It's just the way that the format works this year. And now I wonder if the fact that COVID has actually hit here in Canada and one of these teams, that maybe the government will still be like, no, we got our border restrictions. There's been a couple of scares already. Uh, we're not even going to listen to to that nonsense, even though it is quite a ways away at this point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like there's a really good chance that they still kind of do like a mini bubble, essentially, for the conference finals for both for all four divisions like i think they probably that would probably be the, the ideal scenario right where they have one specific spot where the four I, teams would play i don't know why why I, would you do that like that that makes zero sense like most of the teams down south have fans in the stands already like they're already cooking and going right like we're so fixated on what's going on up here down in the states like there's a lot of teams that already have bodies in the building I, I doubt the NHL would be willing to backtrack on that for the playoffs for the sake of for the sake of what? You know what I mean? Like I think if they would rather bring a Canadian team, because there's only one Canadian team south of the border, and have them do that playoff series and, and maybe they'll go in a different city. Like if it's Toronto, have them go to Buffalo, or if it's uh Montreal, have them go to Boston or or you know, some other big city, so that obviously it, it is kind of like a home home game series of some sort. But I doubt that we see a a bubble when it comes to that for uh, for the conference finals. Once the American teams end up getting back into play, maybe for Canada potentially for like the the first and second round. But once you get to the the final four, I doubt it. It's weird, man. Like I feel like I feel like a mini bubble, like for the fi- for at least the final four, would kind of work if you had like maybe a neutral site. Like I guess I, I, my ideal spot would probably be in Canada. But why would you ideally? do that? Why would you do that? Uh, what benefit do you have for that? Think about how much money that cost them to do that this year, and it was it was a necessity. That was the only way that it could have been done. Well, it's no longer the only way, and they have other options, and I, I would bet dollars to donuts that that would be the final final option would be to bubble up again. Like I, I know the players had issues with it, um, and if they don't have to do that and, and you know, these states are allowing them to go and play and the owners are making money by having these playoff ticket sales that they weren't making a year ago. I don't even think that is even like a bubble to me isn't even in question anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I I, I know the Canadian border is really strict and I, I don't really see them lightening that up anytime soon still. Yeah, so I that, like, like I, I think I mean. that, so, and that's where I think the bubble kind of idea might have to come from because I don't, and if that is the case, they have to go. I'm pretty sure it's coming from the government, not from like anybody else. You're like, gonna I bubble, think it's from the Canadian government. You're going to bubble all four teams because one team isn't allowed to have fans in their building. 
No, you're going to put them on a neutral site in the States where you can sell tickets and have people come and they can make money off of off of those games as opposed to having no fans in the stands. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I, I, I that could that's something that I could see happening. I, just, I, I honestly, dude, I, I haven't really thought too much ahead of the playoffs. <laughs> like, I don't really even really know how they're going to work <laughs> this year specifically. Like, they're a little bit different than usual, right? Well, I think it's round one is going to be one through four of the Canadian division. Whoever finishes first, go up against fourth. Two through three, the winners face each other. Whoever wins that goes to the final four. And then from there, I assume it'll be like a regular playoff series. You play your two home games, your two road games. You come back and you alternate the last final three games in a best of seven series. The question is, are the Canadian is the Canadian government once that team makes it to the final four? Are they going to allow the cross border travel from those teams? So is Toronto if they make it to the final four, they make it to the fi- the semifinals up against let's say Vegas? Are they going to allow the Golden Knights to come over for a couple of games? And when they come over, I'm not saying like I I doubt that the Leafs will be able to have fans in the stands, and you know they'll have to be bubbled to their hotel. They're not going to be able to leave their hotel. Like they'll go from the rink to the hotel and stuff. They're not going to have free roam and free range but when they go to vegas like they're gonna go into a packed building there and i assume same thing they'll have to stay in their hotel room on the road and stuff kind of like it is right now as is but when it comes to playing in each other's buildings i think they'd want to have as many people there as possible to try and generate as much revenue as possible yeah that's a good point i mean that with all the revenue they've lost in particular if with obviously people in the stands, I feel like if they have a chance to have any fans in the stands anywhere, they probably will take that option, right? Like, they kind of have to if they have the option to, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Um, So let's let's take a quick break here, and when we return, let's chat about the trade deadline and kind of uh, this misconception that the Maple Leafs can't make a big deal or they can't make one without sending out some salary and I guess that's not, like that's not entirely true. So I'll explain why that's not entirely true, kind of get to the bottom of it and see if it's possible to add some big names here. And then we both kind of had our have our deadline wish list that we'll go over, and we'll do that all after a word from Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts a car will ever need visit rockauto.com all right welcome back to the locked on these podcast mike DeStefano with you alongside me i've got brandon cameron joining me once again here so uh the trade deadline coming up on april 12th so we're just over two weeks away from that date um well, I guess just under three weeks. I guess it's probably a closer actual day to say it. But regardless, it's coming up pretty, pretty quick. And 
there is, um, and, and I've spoke about this before, and you and I have spoken about this off air as well, about how I believe that the Leafs needed to make a move now. Like, they needed to make a move last week, right? There was that, the fact that they had only played two games in a 10-day stretch would allow them to bring in a player, get him into quarantine, and only miss a couple of games. Um, and also, that would have given him an opportunity to kind of you know, get some one-on-ones with the coaches via Zoom sessions, obviously. They can't interact on the ice or anything like that. But the coaches had off days and could interact with players, get them acclimated into the team, and it seemed like it would be a good time to do it. Well, (laughs) we're now into the second week of that kind of break that we discussed it being a good time to make the trade, and uh, that 10-day stretch is, is quickly dwindling. We're now 48 hours away from the Leafs ending that 10-game stretch and, and getting going again against the, the Ottawa Senators for the second half of the season, which I had already alluded to, 24 games within 44 days. And after reading an article in The Athletic by James Myrtle, I'm starting to understand why we haven't seen a trade. Um, so I'm not going to pretend to be a capologist because I'm not. <laughs> like, Brandon, if, if you're a capologist, please... Let me know, and and you can explain this, but I'm going to do my absolute best to explain why I believe that you know Kyle Dubas knows exactly what he's doing and why a deal has not been been done yet. So there's a process called like accruing cap space, and it has to do with the amount of cap that you have leading up to uh, the the deadline, and the more space that you have leading up to the deadline, closer to the end of the league year. The more space that you create for yourself, um, it, again, I'm not really sure how it all works. You can go read this article by James Myrtle, and it, it explains a lot more about this. But essentially, the further that they wait to make a deal, the less money against the cap the player they're trading for will count against the cap, right? Because it has to do with how much salary is being paid through the rest of the season. So... Um, in this article by James Myrtle, it uses Marcus Granlin as a um, as an example, and so it says if you wait until so with only being twenty seven, so if you had traded for Granlund like a couple of days ago, it would have cost you one point four two million against the cap. And if you do it on deadline day, it would only cost you 872000 against the cap. So, you know, by waiting, it you accrue extra cap space. So I think that is the reason why Dubas is doing it. I think that's also a reason why we've seen guys like Travis Boyd, guys like Jimmy VC get sent down on waivers because he's trying to have less uh, money on his actual main roster salary so that he could accrue as much cap space as possible. And Myrtle goes on to say that there are different ways that you can actually make a deal without having to... Um, part with pieces, and it's not necessarily has to be a dollar out, uh, dollar in, dollar out scenario, which I found to be very interesting. And waiting and accruing that cap space is a way that you can get that done. So I wanted to quickly go over that because I think that there is a misconception here. I was one of the people who was a little confused. Like I don't know about you, but I, like I understand to an extent of how cap space is accrued. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that like that's a term and that it exists like as a process. 
And like now, like it, it makes a little bit more sense. If you go and read this article from The Athletic, it, it, it actually does make a lot more sense. But uh, I did want to have that conversation because I think there's a lot of people who are confused like I am thinking, okay, if you move out or if you want to bring in somebody who's making X amount of dollars, like over four or five million bucks, well, you have to ship out Alex Kerfoot. That's not necessarily true. You can make these moves. You can get a guy who's making $8 million like um, like uh, who's that? Taylor Hall is the name I'm looking for. And you have to get you know some teams to retain some salary, but you can make that deal without actually having to get rid of Alex Kerfoot. So I thought that was really interesting. So I want to share that with the listeners, share that with you, Brandon, because I'm not sure if you also knew that that was, that was a thing. Uh, so hopefully you guys took that, take that information and kind of understand a little bit more as to why maybe a trade has not yet been made, why the trigger hasn't been pulled. Dubas and Pridham are smart dudes, and I guarantee you this all has to do with playing the cap. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I mean, I like it. There's no denying that like, the Leafs are actively doing stuff. Like Kyle Dubas has outright said he's actually he's doing stuff. They're not just sitting around their <laughs> hands on their twiddling their thumbs. They're actually like doing things. So I, I do understand that aspect of it and then that actually does clear up a little bit more for me why things maybe haven't happened yet because just because it's the ideal time for toronto to maybe bring in a player doesn't mean it's the ideal time for their cap situation right right which like, it obviously might not be like although trading now or making a trade last week seemed like the most sense in a vacuum according to the key, the cba and like capologists deadline day is the most feasible day to make a move Clearly, the pandemic puts things into a little bit of a a tizzy when it comes to this, because here in Canada, there is that 14 day quarantine period after you make the trade. So, you know, we keep thinking about that quarantine period. But when it comes to kind of finagling the cap, deadline day is still the the cheapest day to acquire uh, players um, in terms of cap percentage not in terms of payment usually you pay quite a bit of money and it costs a lot on deadline day but uh so yeah there's a really good article in the athletic written by james myrtle that goes into a little bit more detail on exactly how it all works and uh really fascinating read so go check that out but with the trade deadline coming up um let's let's go to our deadline wish list i know i got a couple of guys or a couple of deals that i think uh you know in a perfect world if the maple leafs could get this done it would be perfect clearly i don't expect it to happen or don't expect all of these moves to happen but this is my perfect wish list um you go with your wish list first because i've talked a lot the last like 10 minutes as i explained all that so we'll get your voice heard here and you let me know kind of what you're looking for the maple leafs to do here at the deadline yeah, no problem. So uh, there's a couple things that I've noticed the Leafs are pretty much lacking on. And the first hole that I've noticed they are really lacking on is a uh, top six left winger. Uh, they've been lacking a top six left winger pretty much all year. Um, sometimes William Nylander plays the second line left wing role instead of right wing because I know he does like to be a left winger. So I also would maybe trade for a top six right winger instead and then move William Nylander back to the left side because I know how comfortable he is there. Um, so there's one player in particular that I've I've heard tons of uh, tons of chatter about and a guy I really like. He was uh, 
actually drafted with a Maple Leaf pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know where you're going with this one. Yes, you do. Uh, so Ricard Raquel from the Anaheim Ducks would be an unbelievable fit in the Maple Leafs top six. I think he would fit in great on a line with William Nylander and John Tavares. Um, I would we to be... would we have to sign Tyler Biggs to a contract to go the other way to make it all full circle or? No, you got to throw in John Gibson to the trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Anyways, proceed. Um, and there's another another piece on the Maple Leafs that I would like to add is another defenseman as well. Um, because I don't think ideally you want Zach Bogosian playing all six. How many games they play in this year? Fifty-eight. Fifty-six. Fifty-six. I don't think you want Zach Bogosian playing fifty-four or fifty-six games in every single game in the playoffs for you. So I think the Leafs would need another defenseman. Um, I would also look towards Anaheim and maybe try and make it a bigger deal. Uh, so there's a guy that I've always loved on Anaheim on the on their blue line. His name is Josh Manson. Uh, I feel like there's a way that Maple Leafs could swig a trade for Ricard Raquel and Josh Manson at the same time. Um, and uh, if I had to choose players to trade for that, I mean, I would obviously, obviously we're talking some of the Maple Leafs higher prospects to start with. So either Sandine or Robertson or both. I think would have to be included in that deal. Is Manson a UFA? Uh, no, he's got two years left. Or he's got two years left, I believe. Same with Raquel. I think they both have two years left. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would, uh, I, that deal for me starts with uh, Rasmus Sandin and or Nick Robertson. Uh, I would prefer to tr- throw in Rasmus Sandin in this trade because I like Nick Robertson, but... <laughs> I feel like Anaheim might like Nick Robertson a little bit more. Um, So Alexander Kerfoot, Justin Hall, and a first-round pick I think would be close. I don't know if it necessarily gets it done. They might have to throw in another one of their B-level prospects, like maybe Lilligren or something, but I don't think that would be too unreasonable. Like I I could see Anaheim trying to move on from those two guys. They're both like close to their primes. They're both on Anaheim (laughs) – not going anywhere. I, they pretty much have to move those guys at this point. And I, I think those would be decent assets to get back for them. So who's going to be your third defenseman, third right shot defenseman? I would just replace. I would, I, 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 I they, to be honest, I haven't thought about a third right defenseman. I just thought about replacing Justin Hall because I didn't really see a way <laughs> this trade could, I, didn't, I couldn't really see a way a trade for Josh Manson and Ricard Raquel would be involved without Justin Hall being added to the trade yeah um, just yeah. because it's it's hard it's hard to swing like it's a hard it, swing so i don't think that's a trade where they maybe necessarily pick up another defenseman but it, i think it's a definitely an upgrade on their blue line at least we've been telling you about built bar the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now and built bar is the amazing low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber amazing tasting protein bar with 100 chocolate on all bars now is the time to find out which built bar is best it is built bar madness today's matchup is between chocolate brownie chunk versus lemon almond cheesecake i think i gotta go with chocolate brownie chunk myself but who are you gonna vote for Go to BuiltBar.com or do at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. And remember, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar.
Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Here's where I'm at when it comes to making a deal like that, and a deal for uh, Ricard Raquel and Josh Manson. So, like, the reason why I asked you if Manson was UFA or if he had term on his deal um, is because I, I really don't think that the Maple Leafs want to trade for guys with term. I think this is a year specifically where they just they can't do it because they know that over the next couple of off seasons they have guys coming up. They've got uh, Zach Hyman who's, who's due for uh, a nice little payday. They've got potentially Freddie Anderson, and if not Anderson, then they're going to have to pay a goaltender something. So they're going to need money for those guys. Um, you know, you've got uh, Dermot who's going to need a little bit of a bump in his pay. He's probably not going to pay it. Play at eight hundred thousand dollars next season again. Um, you know, and a couple other guys, you got some, I think Sandine's rookie contract is coming up. So to me, there's, there's, um, they don't want to lock up or I wouldn't want to lock up, you know, so much money, um, bringing in guys with term just because I know that there are some other players that need that money over the next couple of years. And I think the biggest reason why a guy like Alex Kerfoot keeps on getting talked about is because he moves out future dollars, which is something that the Leafs, you know, desperately kind of need to do, right? So um, that's my only concern with making moves like that, which is why my deadline wish list um, involves just like pure UFAs, pure rentals, and uh, a, a couple of players here. Like this is, again, this is a wish list, and I've got like three different deals that I think would make this team perfect, but <laughs> clearly I don't expect for all of them to be made. But these would be the the deals that I would like. Um, and they all fit under the cap. I went to Cap Friendly, did all the shebang, and, and it all works. As long as everyone retains like 50% of their contracts. <laughs> but <laughs> one of the guys who I actually really like for the Maple Leafs to add, I agree with you, they need a top six winger. I 100% agree. And, and most likely, um, a guy on the left side to you can slot on that second line because it's just been a rotation of guys. And most recently, it's been Alex Galchenyuk. And, I mean, he's played okay the last couple of games, but is he the answer? Probably not. I would like for them to find some sort of solution uh, who they feel a lot more comfortable with going forward. And a guy who I've kind of circled, actually, is over on the L.A. Kings, and that's Alex Ayafalo. He's 27 years old. Um, he's got 20 points so far in 30 games this year, seven goals. He can play the left wing. He could even play center if needed. If injuries pile up, he can move into the middle. He's got some jam, and uh, he's making 2.425. You retain half of that. Uh, I, I, I really like bringing in a guy like that who has as a, a pending unrestricted free agent. And I don't know how much it would cost to bring in a guy like I follow. I would assume um, it wouldn't be a first round pick for a guy like him, but maybe this is somewhere where you look and you say, okay, this is a spot where Kerfoot could 
be involved in this deal. So like Kerfoot and maybe you can add a second round pick as well. So like Kerfoot and a two for Alex Iafalo, and you get a guy who can slot in right next to JT and Nylander and the, the, the contracts all work. And if you're bringing him in at 50% retained, you're moving out a full three and a half million of Kerfoot. Now you got even more cap space and you go out and you get yourself a third line center who I think would be a stud. Someone who most Leaf fans at some point in their life have put together an armchair GM session and have tried trading for this guy. And I think now is the perfect time to go and snipe. And it is Eric Stahl. Yeah, 36 years old. But listen, this guy still is a good talent. And if you bring him in just to be a third line center, a good depth piece for this team, I know he's 36 years old, but he's got 10 points so far this year through 30 games. Bit of a tough year. But everyone in Buffalo is having a bad year. His last four seasons in Minnesota, he's averaged 60 points. So I think Eric Stahl still has game left. I think he can be the answer as a third-line center, especially if if you don't think that Engvall um, is, like, the answer. Stahl would be a perfect player to stick there as the third-line center. Makes 3.25 if you can get them to retain 50%. Once again, that makes it even cheaper and still allows you to add a defenseman as depth, which I think, you know, I'm with you. I think they need to add a depth defenseman. I don't necessarily look at it and say they need to make an upgrade on Hall or on Bogosian. I would like to, but I don't know if that's possible. Um, But I think adding a guy, you know, who could be a seventh, eighth defenseman, just pure depth, um, or a guy who can kind of rotate in and out with Zach Bogosian, like you said, kind of an older guy, um, you know, takes a lot of hits and throws a lot. Maybe he's a guy who you do want to sub in and out to keep him fresh. A couple of names that stick out to me, Jordy Ben out in Vancouver. Um, you know, I think he's a pretty talented, you know, a decent bottom pairing defenseman, at least. Uh, he can play the left or the right side, so there's versatility there. Travis Hamanick, another guy who could come in and play the third pair as a right-hand shot, shut down defensive defenseman, play a little bit, um, play similar to the way that Zach Bogosian plays, but much younger. Uh, Matt Benning as well is somebody who's been rumored to go to Toronto for a few years, to be quite honest, in a depth deal. Um, out in Nashville, maybe they make a, a a little push for him. Like These are guys who could probably get for like a third-round pick. Michael Delzado is having a decent year. He's somebody who's making, I think, $700,000 quick add just to bolster that depth in case injuries pile up in the playoffs. Petrovic, another guy who maybe you can make a deal for. So to me, you add Alex Iafalo as your top six winger. You add a third uh, third line centerman in Eric Stahl, and you get yourself a decent seven or eighth defenseman, somebody who you you can plug into the lineup if injuries occur or to spell you know a, a player if they need that night. So that would be my deadline wish list. And after doing that, like let me know how this lineup sounds to you, and more so I guess the center, the the top four or the forward position. But you yep. got Hyman, Matthews, and Marner. I follow center by JT and Nylander, Mikheyev, Eric Stahl, Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, Pierre Engvall, Jason Spezza. To me, that sounds like a Stanley Cup contending lineup. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, uh, personally, I would shoot for a higher top six winger than Alex Iafalo. Like, just because I, I feel like the higher end talent gets you more into the playoffs and it gets you further into the playoffs uh, more often than that. But I also do really love the idea of not giving up all your assets for the better player, getting out of fallow and also upgrading your third line center because 
Peirangvo might not be it for your third line center role. <laughs> like I, I like him there. I think he's been a good fit with Mikheyev and Hyman, but if there's a chance to upgrade that position, I think I probably would take that option as well. And I think Eric Stahl would be a really great fit. Like I really would enjoy playing Eric Stahl with uh, Ilya Mikheyev. And honestly, I know you have Zach Hyman on the top line, but I would keep Zach Hyman down on that line. Maybe plug in Nick Robertson in the top line. Yeah, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. I mean, he's been playing down in the minors, so uh, do they want to bring him up and, and play him in the playoffs? I don't know. Perhaps that is that is definitely uh, an option that they could do here. Um, but but to me, I I think that if they can check all three boxes there where they can get a top six winger, get themselves a bona fide third-line center, and then also get a, a depth defenseman um, in case injuries occur, that to me would be like my wish list, and that would be a perfect A-plus deadline for Kyle Dubas. The thing is, though, that's a lot of that's a lot of moving parts. That's like a that's a lot of different things that have to go your way. It is, but it's also not though. But but it's not like re- the only player who you are getting like that you're taking off of your roster is uh, Alex Kerfoot. Like outside of Kerfoot, you're not moving else anyone off of your roster. So it's not that many moving parts. At that point, you're moving pro- picks and prospects. For for I follow Eric Stahl and like a depth defenseman. If the Leafs can find a way to make all to make three or four trades that kind of improve the team, I think I will I will be okay with with Alex Iafalo being a Maple Leaf. If they are only going to make one move, I would really really rather them upgrade on that though. But yeah. I, th- that's the thing too. I don't really know what they actually intend on doing. Like if I was them, I would I would probably just go for the upgrade. I would go for the one. I would swing for the fences. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like baseball. I go for home. I like dingers. I go for home runs. Yeah, know? but here's the thing with I follow. I like the fact that he's got that jam. Like I, I, when I'm looking for another player to add to this lineup, like I think about what happens when Wayne Simmons is not in the lineup, and you know who knows he he might get injured in the playoffs. You need someone to replace that type of energy. You know that physicality, and a guy like I follow could do that. I'm not so sure that Raquel. I know that Raquel definitely couldn't answer the bell to be that physical presence that goes around and, and, and goes into puck battles and, you know, bangs the body. Someone who can also go up and down your lineup wherever needed. Or I see Ayafalo actually can do that. And is he a better player than Raquel? Heck no. I think Raquel is a fantastic player, a 30-goal scorer. But to me, he just fits a little bit more what I think the Leafs need. That's fair. I think I think the Leafs could use a another score. <laughs> I think they can use another score. That's yeah. just what I think. I, mean, Raquel, um, I follow his 15 goals a couple of years ago, 20, 17 goals in 70 games last year. He's got seven through 30 this year. So he's like a 20 goal scorer. Um, it's not, he's not a burner by any means, but Hey, I'll take a 20 goal scorer as like my sixth best forward any day. Absolutely. All right, Brandon, I uh, really appreciate you joining me today. That was a lot of fun. Hope you had fun as well. Thank you, buddy. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs and follow Brandon at B underscore Cameron 222. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode 
episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.